Well, hello. Welcome hello. to another uh, episode of So Talk to Me. Uh, before we get started, I want to apologize in advance um, for the way our voices might sound, but not only that, but for the, all the sniffles and coughs that you're going to hear this episode. Oh, yeah. That's probably going to happen. Funny story. Last week, you know, I said, man, my voice is all groggy, but I'm not sick. This is awesome. And not a day later, I got sick. <laughs> so, yeah, sickness has spread through our house once again. It's wonderful. Not really. And um, it just it just holds on. Like, you yeah. know, we're all on the upswing. We're all doing much better than than we were over the weekend. But, man, it, it just does not want to. It doesn't want to leave. It still lingers. Yeah, I mean, that's just having small children, though. Like, yeah, it's true. Lots of germs and, you know, they're building their little immune systems. Yep. So. Yep. In a few years, season of life they'll we're never in. get sick. <laughs> they won't get sick as often, but yeah. Tonight's another three drink night for me. Oh, yeah? I've got my water. I've got my chai tea, nice hot tea, feels good on the throat, and and then I've got my leftover. Um, well, it, my super ghetto mixed drink is what it is. So I got a, a lime slush. Oh, you put something in it. Gotcha. Yeah, I got a lime slush from Sonic yesterday. <laughs> I didn't finish it, so I threw it in the fridge. And when I got home from work today. Uh, it is all liquid. There's no more slush to be had. But I was like, this is pretty tart. Some tequila would be nice in here. So I put some tequila in it, and it like took away all the tartness. It's weird. It doesn't have much of a flavor anymore. Um, but it does have alcohol, <laughs> which is pretty cool. So <laughs> It's a very interesting um, mix you got going on mm -hmm. over there. Yeah, you know, the, the, the tartness of the drink goes really well with my my chai tea <laughs> and milk it's it's wonderful no the water is for in between sips of other drinks that helps but yeah so how's your day been how's your week been talk to me um i mean it's it's been fine i mean the kids have been sick so i mean just well like just getting over sickness really Yep. They've been fine today. Josie still has a little bit of a runny nose, but that's, I mean, they feel fine for the most part. Yes. So we've been able to go outside and. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I went out today and got um, Chick fil A for lunch. Hey and went to a little uh, children's clothing and. Uh, toy baby gear resale shop um to get ollie his outfit for the wedding on saturday hey oh wedding it's gonna be fun we're Ooh. gearing up yeah yeah um but yeah i mean it's gonna it, it's been a good week for the most part yeah i feel old though because uh -oh. I used to, well, it's 29 just, years, <laughs> almost Difficult. 29 years. Um, I, like when I used to get sick or sorry, when I got sick, when I was younger, hmm. um, I've always 
been one that like doesn't get sick very often, but when I do, I like, it hits me really hard. But it doesn't usually last super long and I usually bounce back pretty quickly. But <laughs> not of late. <laughs> and I guess that's just because I'm getting older. And so my body just doesn't bounce back like it used to. And it well, just... and you're giving all the antibodies to Josephine. She's Yeah, well, I'm nursing. I'm say and yeah, with the kids, like I have two humans to take care of during the day and I'm not able to like rest like I used to be able to before kids when I would get sick. So Mm -hmm. it's, it just takes longer to get over things, which is annoying, but it is what it is. (coughs) Rest is not easy to come by these days. No, it is not. (laughs) Thus is the life of a parent. (laughs) You just, you just roll with it. Yep. And you try and stay awake. <laughs> like right now. Uh-oh. So how's your week been? Um, yeah. This, <laughs> I mean, the same. Yeah, like, yeah, everyone who asks how you've been, just like as a family at work, I'm like, man, things are good, except that we all got sick, <laughs> you know? So it's like hard to express... Um, but it's it's similar to what you said is like we we are doing really good like we're, we're doing really well just mm-hmm. family or hanging out having a good time um it's just that it's just annoying that we've been sick yeah you know it like sickness especially in our family we are like touchy-feely people causes lots of cuddles with the kids and stuff like that so you feel like attached and also i mean when you take care of kids especially when they're more needy with things like sickness you you're just more attached to them. Yeah. You know, because you have to be watching over them, wiping their little noses and mm-hmm. all that fun stuff. So, um, so it, it strangely, it, it creates this kind of, uh, like even more of a bond than normal because you're just so attached. If that mm-hmm. makes any sense. So, um, so like emotionally, it's kind of a good thing, maybe, possibly. Like, yeah, it just, you just feel close. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's been, it's been good. It's been a good week. Uh, work is good. I mean, it's crazy. So like, you know, finished up all the Easter stuff. Um, but man, it's, it's not slowing down, which is good. And it can be a little difficult to, um, gearing up for, for whatever's next, which is cool from a tech perspective. We're getting some tech upgrades that is going to change um, some of the things that we do on Sunday mornings, which is pretty dang cool. Um, so I'm excited for that stuff. I've got a, a whatchamacallit, a um, conference. That's what it's called. Conference Isn't that coming a up. candy bar? Whatchamacallit. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone remember those? Those, <laughs> those were actually really cool commercials back in like the 90s. I don't remember do the remember? commercials. Oh, man. I'll have to pull it up on YouTube. <laughs> Because, yeah, they, they're they a lot of fun. They were animated. Anyways, uh, whatchamacallit. I don't know that I've ever actually had a whatchamacallit bar. I've just seen the commercials. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I've got a conference coming up the first week in May that I'm going to be out for, which I have not even thought about the repercussions of this podcast. We'll have to record early that week if we record at all. Because I'm going to be out Wednesday through Saturday. That's right. Anyways, uh, yeah, so I've got that conference coming. So there's just some things coming down the pike that are like 
kind of a big, I don't know, man, you, you jump over the hurdle of Easter and you're just like, what's the, there's something else coming. There's no downtime. There's no downtime. It's like, there's always something new. Um, so it's fun. It's fun. Uh, it can be a challenge sometimes, but it's fun. I'm enjoying Sorry. it. So, so yeah, I'm doing great. Doing great. It's been a good week. Been a good week. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Life is good. It's busy, but it's good. Yep. Well, before we jump into our main topic for the evening, um, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about? No. no. Okay. Well, I, uh, well, I guess there's, there's a couple things actually. Dang it. They're two different things now that I think about it, and they have to do with books. Books? Uh, yeah, the first one is just that I finished that one book, Beyond Belief, the oh, one yeah. about the, the girl who's in Scientology. And um, man, it's it's kind of funny that I actually talked about it last week because I was like halfway through. And at that point, the whole, um, the way that she portrayed her life and her view of Scientology was a lot more understandable. But like after that point, it all went downhill. <laughs> like there was so much more manipulation and abuse that she had to endure after that point it, which is funny because like i brought up how um they treat children as adults right um but it was only in certain ways because as they grew older there were less like physical things that they required of them and it was more like mental and emotional and just like hardcore manipulation tactics that the church employed also because of the timeline of when she was within the the church um her uncle had become the head of the church and apparently he was like super abusive to to people that were around him and i think that was brought up in the documentary that we had watched as well yeah. that he would like beat people in meetings which is just insane um and so like that type of leadership trickled down through the entire church where like maybe elron hubbard wouldn't have led the church that way but like because of the things that he because what he had said was held to so strictly that's like the culture of uh scientology and so that just had like tons of repercussions on her especially because it, from her point of view and, and she didn't necessarily it brings out in the book that um she can see things you know hindsight is twenty twenty basically. And she didn't know certain things until she had kind of gotten out of it that basically they were extremely hard on her because of how she reflected on her uncle who is now the head of the church, like basically the Pope of mm -hmm. Scientology. Mm -hmm. And so like, if she was out of line, then they had to really like come down on her hard to get back in line. Um, because she reflected on her uncle, which is crazy. So anyways, it was it was a good book. I really enjoyed it. It just, man, uh, yeah, it, it got crazy. It got crazy. N not even necessarily in the um, in the sense of like aliens and weird stuff like that. Uh, she does mention the South Park episode, actually, that she watched it after she came out of Scientology, and it revealed a lot of things about Scientology that um, basically you wouldn't know that stuff about, you know, the planet that humans came from and you know, the, the alien that's supposed to come back and take everyone away or something like that. You wouldn't know about that stuff until you've invested 
tons of money and lots like years of your life and been extremely dedicated and been a part of the inner circle of the church. So like by the time you get to that point, it all seems plausible because you're so dedicated. That's interesting. I wonder how they got their information for that episode. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> that's a really good question, actually. Um, but yeah, anyways, so uh, good book. I enjoyed it. Um, the other thing that I just wanted to bring up was something that I read earlier today, actually. Uh, there are a handful of books when I when I decided to start reading books again <laughs> a couple years ago um, the, and, and like made more of a, a point to do it. There are a handful of books that I picked up and started reading uh, that I really wanted to read and um, that I still have not finished because I'm lame. Um, and one of which is called Planet Narnia. I've brought it up on the podcast before. Um, it's I've just gone through it really slowly, but I picked it up again and was reading it this morning and there was just something that really stuck out to me. Um, it, he's just basically talking about um, C.S. Lewis and his genius of writing the Narnia books and how like um, he transitioned because the book that he wrote before Narnia, the books that he was writing were more um, like theological in nature. And this was, I want to say his first um, fiction long form fiction i could be wrong maybe maybe he had written other fiction books um yeah he probably did actually anyways the way that he sets it up in the book is that he is trying to communicate truths through the narnia books um in a way that is more imaginative like he is trying to make theological points by telling them in a narrative in a story instead of just like outright explaining them to you mm. and the way that this guy uh michael ward who wrote planet narnia is explaining it is super cool because he talks about how um it's sort of the way that lewis embeds these truths in the story is kind of similar to something like breathing where you don't realize you're breathing and when you do stop and realize that you're doing it it actually becomes more difficult to continue but like you feel like you're actually um having to maintain it if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. Or it becomes like more annoying to actually have to keep up with your breathing if you actually realize it, mm -hmm. that it's more of just a, an involuntary thing that works better if you don't notice it, if that makes sense. And so there, there was just this little excerpt that I really liked. Uh, the whole chapter was really good, but I wanted to read just this little bit if I can find it. Um, yeah, okay. So so obviously throughout this book, he's he's presenting his own view on the the structure of the narnia books and how they're pulled from the medieval thoughts of the planets and so that's that's just kind of the background of it but he says um it's so the in this chapter he's kind of uh going against different arguments of people who would say that that's not necessary like why if this really was what lewis was trying to do then why didn't he explain it you know basically their their arguments and he's presenting counter arguments um, and so he says, this then is our first suggested solution to the problem of reception. So like, why didn't Lewis explain it? Why didn't people understand it this way? Readers have sensed that Narnia presents a vision of human life lived in harmony with the spiritual realm, even though this presentation is never directly stated for our hearing. And I just thought that was super cool um, because it also talks to, it also just speaks to how... Um, the Narnia books as a whole capture people. They are, um, they are books 
in which like the fantastical and the magical things happen, but that's not the point of the story. Right. But the kids are so integrated into the magic of the world of Narnia that you almost expect that in the stories. And and that's part of the things that you love about the stories is it does feel otherworldly while still being grounded in um, something real, if that makes sense. And I just think that's so cool. It has to do with um, kind of the art of subtlety in general. Um, but I, yeah, I just thought it was super cool that he brings it out in this book, just like the genius of how things are almost sort of taken for granted, um, that like, you know, the, the savior figure in the books are just taken for granted and presented in such a way that you can, that's easily digestible. Mm -hmm. Um, but that speaks some really powerful truths. So I thought it was cool. Wanted to share it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm enjoying the book. Awesome. Well, all right. Um, we can go ahead and jump into our main topic. What did you want to talk about today? Um, well, it's funny. I was all gung-ho about it this afternoon, and now that I'm tired, I'm like, do I really want to get into this? But Oh, really? <laughs> okay. Well, that's going to make things difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so so I'll say um when you brought this up it it kind of <sighs> I'm I'm hesitant to to talk about this for a couple reasons. Um but basically because I feel like anything that you say um is going to be taken the wrong way if that makes sense like i mean people is are gonna, gonna take offended. things the way they take it yeah like you, you have no control over that yeah yeah that's true that's true and and you know you explained like yeah it's okay this is our podcast we can do what we want yeah <laughs> and there's not too many people listening right no, i'm just yeah. kidding well, <laughs> i'm just that, kidding. that was my reasoning sort of <laughs> i was like really it's not like we have a big audience <laughs> yeah there you go um, but yeah, so what did you want to talk about? Um, well, as probably, well, I guess depending on who listens to our podcast, you may or may not know about all of the controversy going on that stemmed from the uh, MLK 50 conference that... Um, mm -hmm. The Gospel Coalition. Thank you. Mm -hmm. For some reason, because T4G is doing a yeah. thing right now, and I always get like those just confused. TGC for and T4G? Yeah. Why? I mean, <laughs> why are you confused? That's so straightforward. <laughs> it's not um, like the same people <laughs> will um, speak at the, the <laughs> conferences. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, that TCG mm -hmm. put on. No, TGC. Sorry. Gospel Coalition. Thank you. The Gospel Coalition. <laughs> TGC. Thank you. You know, I'll be honest. The only reason I know, um, the only reason I can tell them apart, I guess, is because last year when we had our um, conference, our big national conference for our church, D.A. Carson was speaking. Uh -huh. And uh, he is one of like the founders of the Gospel Coalition. Right. And so, uh, so that's, so I automatically, like, I, I think... I have that connection to the Gospel Coalition, so I know them as an organization more so than I do um, just other groups that put on cool conferences. Anyways, sorry. Yeah, 
Well, there was an article that I I don't want to say his name because I don't want to butcher it. Tabidi Anabwile. There you go. Thank you. I didn't want to say it incorrectly. <laughs> yeah. I, well, it's funny because I quoted him for one of my papers for school mm-hmm. like a week or two before this conference. Mm. So. Yeah, he had written an article that went along um, with the conference. Um, and there was something that he said that everyone pretty much just like went berserk over. Um, and okay. So he had um, posted an article that he wrote on the Gospel Coalition website um called we await repentance for assassinating dr king hmm. which is already sort of clickbaitish but the main thing and and i went through this article and i read it today um and for the most part i didn't really have any issue with it mm-hmm. um until until you get down sort of to the bottom and I it seemed like he was starting to contradict himself. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know if I should just read this part or if I should give more of a context or just tell people to read it. I just don't know how long it's going to I mean it's not a very long article. Mm-hmm. Have you have you read it? Okay. So, I mean, he's, for the most part, he's talking about, you know, that Dr. King was murdered. He was assassinated. Like, he didn't just die. And that it's, it was because of the normalization of the sin of racism at that time. Um, and he says some things about... So he, he, at one point he says, I'm saying the entire society killed Dr. King. And then at another point, or well, the part that most everyone's freaking out about is when he says, my white neighbors and Christian brethren can start by at least saying their parents and grandparents and this country are complicit in murdering a man who only preached love and justice. Um, And really what I think, think he's trying to say in those two sentences and those are those two parts of the the article and this is just me like having grace glasses on just trying to really give him the benefit of the doubt because i don't actually know if this is what he meant by it um because he really hasn't come out and explained if this is how he meant it or not. But obviously, if you read the article, he's very passionate about this. Mm-hmm. You can tell. It's, it's upsetting to him. Yeah. As it sh- the sin of racism should be upsetting to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that sense, I can see why he's talking this way, just because he's upset. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that he l- is saying that literally like the society or our parents and grandparents 
were like literally conspiring and like in on the murder. I don't think that's what he's saying. No. I think what he's trying to get at is that the normalcy of that sin in that time as a country, it was just, that was a normal thing. And that attitude, that view is what led to the murder yeah. of Dr. King. Mm-hmm. That's what I think he's saying. And I completely agree with that. Okay. Obviously, it was one man that pulled the trigger. Mm-hmm. But perhaps if that wasn't such a normal view back then, maybe this man wouldn't have looked at Dr. King that way. Does that make sense? Yes and no. So um, my hesitation here is that I don't want to sound defensive. Um, I, I feel like that these issues of, um, you know, uh, the term we're using is racism mm-hmm. um, are like it's easy. It's so polarizing. And again, that was my hesitation with this entire topic is it's just so polarizing. Um, it's hard to come together and talk about these things simply because the views are on it are so disparate. Right. Um, so forgive me. I don't want to come off as defensive, but I'm not sure that that, that line of reasoning really holds up. Um, because I do think, like you said, the way that, uh, what he's trying to say is that if, um, the people of this time were not speaking out against racism specifically, then they were complicit with the racism that was, rampant mm-hmm. at this time and so therefore they were complicit in the assassination of dr martin luther king jr which i um, understand i understand but i i disagree were were the people alive when jfk was shot were they complicit as well i mean i i don't i don't understand why an assassination which is an illegal thing um why everyone would be complicit with something that occurred that was illegal he does say in the article that um he believes uh, he doesn't necessarily substantiate his belief but i mean i'm not i'll, I'll give him the benefit of there the doubt. is a conspiracy theory yes right right that basically the those in power um you know didn't give the proper protection or security for the type of um protests and things that um dr king led um, again, he doesn't necessarily cite any evidence, but I, I don't necessarily disagree with it either. Um, because yeah, people were more blatantly racist mm-hmm. back then than they yeah. are today, I would say. Um, or possibly, you know, in different forms. Again, this is why, <laughs> this is why this conversation is difficult. I'm going to say things that offend people and I'm sorry. Um, it's, I don't know. Anything you say is going to offend someone. So <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Um, you know, you can educate us if you'd like by emailing us or contacting <laughs> us on Twitter. Um, so yes, yeah, so th- there's there's that that thing that started a firestorm um, with lots of different responses yeah. and lots of different people talking about it, right? Well, I wanted to read this part where I think he starts to contradict himself. So, so I'll start off just reading the beginning of this paragraph. Um, He says, I don't need all white people to feel guilty about the 1950s and 60s. Okay. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) You know, he's coming out and saying it like 
not all white people are guilty of this. Like, mm-hmm. that's not what I'm saying. Um, especially those who weren't even alive. <clears throat> okay. So he in that statement, he's even saying that all white people, even in the 50s and 60s, like, aren't guilty of this. Right. Um, but I do need all of us to suspect that sin isn't done working its way through society, which I don't think anyone is claiming that mm-hmm. it's done, that yeah. the sin of racism is done. Um, I do need all my neighbors, especially my brothers and sisters in Christ, to recognize that no sin has ever been eliminated from the world and certainly not eliminated simply with the passage of time and willing and willingness of some people to act as if it was never there. Again, I don't think anyone is saying that racism is over or that time can cure racism. I don't I don't think anyone is saying that at all. Yeah. So I'm a little confused as to why he feels like he has to say that. If this country will make any significant stride toward freedom, it must have enough courage to at least make it clear that Dr. King didn't just die, but was assassinated, murdered, violently killed, and with the approval of far too many in this country. Okay, I understand that sentence. Like, yes, he was violently murdered. That's mm-hmm. awful. Yeah. It's something that should be remembered so yeah. that we can avoid it in the future. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Um and I understand with the approval of far too many in this country, yes, like racism was a normal thing back then, um, or normalized, I guess, if mm-hmm. if I sh- can use that word. Um, and I'll continue. Until and unless there is repentance of this animus and murderous hatred, the country will remain imprisoned to a sacred, or sorry, sacred to a seared conscience um that's where i start to get uh where i start to really disagree um because there he is saying that the whole country needs to repent Mm -hmm. when he had just previously said that not everyone is guilty yeah so why would everyone need to repent Right. If not everyone is guilty. Um, I'll continue. Until this country and the church learns to confess its particular sins particularly. Okay, so then we're getting person like to particular sins mm-hmm. when he just generalized that everyone needs to repent. Mm-hmm. And now it seems like he's talking about like just people who are guilty of it repenting. See, this is where I'm like, okay, what are you actually like talking about? Like, are you talking about an entire country repenting? Are you talking about just people who are guilty of it repenting? Like, you're not very clear on what you're trying to get at. Until this country and the church learns to confess its particular sins, particularly, we will not overcome the ad- Adamic, ad- Adamic? Yeah. Adam- Adamic hostility. That infects the human human soul and distorts human potential. Okay, I'll continue. Don't get me wrong. I know Dr. King's life was much greater than his death. I understand that his death gives us opportunity to reflect on his legacy. But it also gives opportunity to reflect on that twist in our soul that rose up and killed him. Again, I'm not sure who he's talking about. 
are. Now mm-hmm. he's including himself in that. So yeah, I'm just like, I'm not sure who he's talking about throughout the article. Yeah. <laughs> um, it gives opportunity to repent of the things some have with too much pride to often refuse to admit is there. And then he goes into the, my white neighbors and Christian brethren can start by at least saying their parents and grandparents in this country are complicit in murdering a man who only preached love and justice. So although I, I, I understand why he wrote it this way because he's passionate about it. It makes him angry. I totally get that. But it, it's just too vague. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, and you know, people have confronted him on it and he hasn't like come out and explained mm-hmm. really who he's talking about. And so that's, I'm, I'm just like, what dude? <laughs> like what? What, what what do you want from people? Like, I, yeah. I don't know who you're specifically talking about. Yeah, and, and the difficulty is that, like, different people are going to define that differently if it's not, um, if if the, the wording is not exact, if it's more vague than someone who is, like, okay, a social justice warrior is going to define that very differently. Right, and put words in his mouth where someone who, um, I don't know, I'm thinking of like the other extreme, like someone who would deny that racism has even been an issue in America. I don't, I don't know who would do that, but I just mean like, depending on who you are and, and what import you give to those different words and, or the different sections of what he's written, mm-hmm. um, you can interpret that differently. And so right. you can either uh, wildly disagree with what he's saying, or you can attempt to find common ground and and agree with some things yeah yeah, yeah. when when in, at one point in your article you're saying that not everyone is guilty and then in another part you're saying that everyone is guilty it it confuses people yeah yeah right yeah when you say that people who weren't even alive shouldn't feel bad about it but then later you say that white people should repent it's kind of it's difficult well. He doesn't to say that white people need to repent. Well, d- isn't that what that one uh, paragraph started with? Is that like white evangelicals should? Um, I thought that's what you had read. He said, "I I don't need all white people to feel guilty about the 1950s and 60s." Right, but the part the part towards the end that's caused all the the issues. My white neighbors and Christian brother brethren can start by at least saying their parents and grandparents in this country were complicit in murdering a man. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, that is a huge generalization that only white people were racist mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah. Because that's not how sin works. Right. Yeah, and there's there's any a lot ethnicity that, can be racist against any other ethnicity. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I was listening to it, it's actually funny that that we decided to talk about this today because this morning I was listening to an older episode of the Mortification of Spin podcast. Mm-hmm. It was an episode called Social Justice Black Hole, 
And so like I, I had, I had it downloaded on my phone. So I was listening to all his driving. Um, but it, it was an older episode and like they specifically talked about, um, issues of racism, uh, which I, I was kind of surprised just cause I thought it was going to be more about social justice in general, which to a certain extent it was. Anyways, I highly recommend the episode. I'm going to throw it in the link in the description so you guys can go listen to it. But they talk, they have a guest on, I think his name is Daryl Williams, if I remember correctly. And he talks about, okay, he's a black man, if you want to use that term. Um, and he talks about how, um, he, how race as an idea is a modern construct. Mm-hmm. Like it has not been around a hundred years. No one have, has thought of people in terms of race. Wasn't it Darwin who actually did that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure that's a Darwinian construct. Okay. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, just because there are no races, like, there's the human race. Because he was a racist. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but there, like, certainly there are different tribes. There are different ethnicities. Um, but thinking of people in terms of race is inherently divisive. Mm-hmm. Because you are then grouping people and dividing them um, based on a standard of melanin in your skin, mm-hmm. um, which is which is a purely social construct. And I understand um, one side would say, well, yeah, but that's because the white people did that to black people in America. Like they segregated them and called them black people. So yeah, like everyone who's not black is white. Except that's not necessarily true. Anyways, I understand that it was like, it was racist people who did that, um, who made that legal here in America that segregated Mm -hmm. whites and blacks. I understand that. Um, But the episode talks about um, the biblical view is not not that you look at um, racism as a thing because you don't see race you think of it in terms of hatred like people groups have hated other people groups Mm -hmm. since the dawn of time you know since cain and abel right um and and so when you look at it through that lens then it, it kind of takes away a lot of the things that people are talking about nowadays like it was just i mean you know i i talked about again i'm using these terms uh, racist laws in America. That's just simple hatred. Mm-hmm. People hated people who didn't like look like themselves. Right. And and it still happens today. I'm not saying it was just back then, but back then it was institutionalized mm-hmm. legally. Um, sure, you could argue that there are institutions that still do that. We don't necessarily have to go there. Um, but it was it was just very the way that they set up their argument was very enlightening. I think that biblically, scripturally. Um, you don't see conversations about race in the Bible. You see conversations about hatred. Mm-hmm. And there there have been plenty of um, people groups in the Bible who hate other people groups, you know, other tribes, other nations. Um, Israelites were in a lot of wars in the Old yeah. Testament against people who hated them. So when, when you start to look at it, uh, one of the things that I... Um, I thought was was um, eye opening about that episode of the podcast was Daryl said, and I may be butchering his statement, so forgive me if it's true. But it boiled down to, um, oh, 
he said that the term racial reconciliation is an oxymoron because you're start because the word racial the word race divides people hmm. like it makes distinctions between people yeah. based on how they look and so saying racial reconciliation assumes that people are divided right and 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 is attempting to bring them together mm-hmm. where the biblical view is that we are united in Christ right. as Christians and our mission is to share the gospel with all mm-hmm. um, go out into the world you know like Jesus said um, Jesus specifically talked about the local place where the Christians were um, you know Judea Samaria and to the ends of the earth um, the Bible multiple times talks about how Jesus saves from all uh, people groups within right. the world that in revelation, mm-hmm. you know, you see people from every tribe, tongue and nation. Mm-hmm. And so those types of divisions based on ethnic groups, based on your skin color don't exist in the Christian paradigm. Right. And so to, to accept the culture's paradigm of race is to, um, is extra biblical. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say that. I, I don't even, I could say it's stronger, but I'll, I'll say that it's yeah. it's completely outside of what scripture deals with. Yeah. It, well, and I, I think that's some people's um, kind of issue with talking about it that way is that it makes them feel like they shouldn't have any pride in their ethnicity. Yeah. Um, and that's not what that's saying at all. Right. Um, I mean, God put you, made you the, put you in the ethnic group you're in, made you the ethnicity that you are for his own glory. Of course you should still celebrate that. Yeah. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. As a human race, we are totally diverse and that's amazing. That's so beautiful. Like, yeah. we should celebrate that. Yeah. But that's not our identity. Mm-hmm. It it shouldn't it shouldn't trump our Christian identity right. certainly yes so when you start labeling white evangelicalism or yes. black churches or white just, churches yeah it's totally divisive yeah yeah because I mean even if you know the church we go to yes it's major if you look out at the at the congregation the majority of people have lighter toned skin yeah but that doesn't mean that we're not ethnically diverse um. And then that gets into whole questions of, well, then what what are you going to do to combat that? Does that mean you're going to try like um, marketing tactics to specific cultures? Like it, it just it gets really weird when you start right. thinking about thinking about it. No, in, in I mean, just terms. just have your doors open to everyone. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you, you don't you don't need to market yourself to a particular ethnic group mm-hmm. like just keep your doors open and God's will be done. Like, yeah. And there are, and I don't mean that to sound like, you know, be colorblind, you know, I, uh, for instance, okay. Our church, um, there are like three or four apartment complexes on the street that our church is on. Right. A lot of people in those, um, apartment complexes are Indian. Mm -hmm. So there are things we can do as a church to reach out to our Indian neighbors. Right. You know, perhaps, um, you know, have an outreach where, I, I don't know, we get someone to, to like make curry or something like that, to where it's more comfortable 
for that. Or, or for instance, when we walked our, <laughs> yeah, I know. I love, love curry. It. <laughs> um, it, when we walked our dog, when we lived in those apartment complexes, mm-hmm. um, we noticed that a lot of the Indian people do not like dogs. Yeah, um, they were they afraid see of them, the dogs. Yeah, mm-hmm. they see them more like we would see rats. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't really understand why there are pets. Yeah. They're more of their Their nuisance. children loved them, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But I understand now, back in India, like, packs of dogs roam the streets. Right. So they are dirty animals. Mm-hmm. And so I, I understand it more now. But I mean that, like, okay, so in, in outreach events, maybe we would ask our congregation not to bring our dog, not right. to bring their dogs or something like that. So there are things that you can do with a certain cultural sensitivity to reach out to people so that you can share the gospel with them. Right. I'm not saying don't take those things into account. Certainly you do that. Paul yeah. did that in Acts when, you know, when he would meet people and, and preach the gospel mm-hmm. to them as well. Um, or was it? Was it Timothy when he was like, we need to get you circumcised or something? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. There are things, you know, Paul said that he'll become all things to all people so Mm -hmm. that he can proclaim the gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, So certainly do what you can, but we also, those attempts are to share the gospel. Right. It's not to present a different gospel you know the black gospel is not different than the white gospel is not different than the mexican gospel you know the gospel is the same and that's what unifies us no matter our cultural background exactly yeah um so hopefully i've made some sense (laughs) i don't know hopefully i haven't contradicted myself too much (laughs) um but i do have a lot of thoughts i just feel like it's it, it is a very divisive subject and it's difficult to talk about with people who have such different points of view Mm -hmm. um and maybe maybe you know maybe the church hasn't in the past and isn't now doing enough to really make that apparent to everyone mm -hmm. you know like maybe that is an issue i i haven't I haven't been, my eyes really haven't been open to this movement enough to really notice much. Yeah. So I, perhaps that is an issue. I mean, just like, just like I, w- I would say that I don't think churches in America do enough to speak out against abortion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think a little bit of context in our lives is that we live in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've both grown up here and Austin is a culturally diverse city. So even though we're in Texas, even though we're in the South, um, I have never seen the types of racism that I have heard from other people right. um, who live in the South. I, d- I don't have any relatives who own slaves. I don't know of anyone who has spoken about a black person um derogatorily right. simply because of their skin color. Mm-hmm. You know, those overt types of racism where it is very divisive of like I am better than you right. type type of conversations. I have never experienced that. Um and I understand now that that's probably a um that that's probably I'm probably in the minority there, you know. 
um it, it, it's just never been a thing i've yeah 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 just I'm, in the in the city i that can't we think in. of anyone in my family or anyone that i've known that has <laughs> i don't know that i would cons- consider a racist person or right. even said anything racist stereotypical sure yeah um yeah but not racist mm-hmm. which I would define racism as seeing someone as inferior to yourself because of their skin tone right. or ethnicity or yeah. 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 Cause I know definitely. apparently there's a different definition where it's if a, where the person who is racist has to have some sort of power uh-huh. Yeah, so they have you to can be in only a position of power. Yeah, you yeah. can only be a racist if you're in a position of power, which I think is complete BS because racism is a sin and sin is a heart issue. Yeah. Again, I would define it after after listening to that podcast, I would define it as the sin of hatred. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hatred is not discriminatory whether or not you have power over someone. Yeah. Um regardless, you could if you hate someone then you're guilty of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are so many other like ways we can take this conversation. Yeah, there are so many facets to this, yeah. and I'm just like, what, what else is there that we should address that we haven't addressed yet? Like, I'm trying to think. I, I think this is a good starting place, though, because I don't necessarily want to go down every path. Um, I don't necessarily want to argue <clears throat> over lots yeah. of different things because. Um, yeah. One, our, our, I mean, our experience just isn't um, what other people experience. Yeah. So um, there's there's lots that we can learn as well. Um, but also, you know, I, I I mentioned at the start of this, like people have such polarizing views, and one of, one of the reasons I didn't um, didn't necessarily want to uh, talk about this, or, or I was a little standoffish at first, is because I feel like um, there are different paradigms that it, it, people often talk over each other when mm-hmm. they have these conversations yeah. where um, either people are so entrenched in the idea of it. Uh, and, and I understand with good intentions um, uh, championing racial reconciliation, but they're so entrenched in that, that they see every, they see all the little microaggressions right. and how that all adds up to a culture of subjugation um, but then you see on the other side, um, people who d- don't even accept um, that they're they don't even accept that that racism is a thing, and and that we shouldn't even be concerned about it mm-hmm. any longer. Um, and I feel like those paradigms are so different from each other that you just end up talking all of your words have different definitions Mm -hmm. than the other person and so you can't actually talk with each other you just kind of lob lob bombs from behind your your um behind your walls that you've erected yeah i think there's a lot of fear on both sides as well because i mean if i'm just being honest like like i look at the liberal left and see like how they're handling this movement mm-hmm. um, with 
basically just outright saying that every white person is racist like it doesn't matter what you say like if yeah. you say you're not you're racist like it, yeah. do- it doesn't matter um yeah you're actually s- less racist if you accept that you're racist right right it's so ridiculous <laughs> um but like see that and you know hear this racial reconciliation like movement sort of like you know like churches taking on the term mm-hmm. and 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 just like the fear of like no 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 <laughs> like that liberal left side of this cannot come into our church like yeah. does that make sense mm-hmm. um and just and on the other side the fear of things like just regressing back to a racist norm society yeah. you know yeah. like I, I it just seems like there's a lot of fear on both sides yeah um and we need to lay that down mm-hmm. man we need to lay that down we need to listen to each other mm-hmm. like you were saying not talk over each other like everyone else is doing or you know just totally put our put our definitions and our point of view on somebody else's words you know like just read into what they're saying when that's probably not actually what they're saying in the first place Mm -hmm. um give grace (laughs) yes definitely give grace yeah yeah And and that's why i say like i do think that most people within the church context who are talking about racial reconciliation have good motives what they're saying is we see injustice and we want to Mm -hmm. correct it and I think which is a totally noble Christian thing to do. Exactly. Yes, we should stand up for injustice. Exactly. Well, against injustice. Sorry. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And and um, in so far as we have the means, certainly we ought to be a blessing to everyone. To everyone. Yeah. But but definitely those who are downtrodden. Yeah. You know, um, God. Mm-hmm throughout the Bible pleads the case of the orphans and the widows. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I use that as a as a a typological of those in society who are looked down upon Christianity that is man. Oh man. I love it. I love it. This is the way that God, this is the way that God created it. But Christianity is the one um, paradigm where the weak are those who are given, um, who are shown God's love. Yeah. You know, not that the strong aren't, but just that how, how God levels the playing field mm-hmm. and how how much value he places on the weak things of the world and and the the things that um we consider uh worthless he considers of so much worth and so so christian certainly as christians when we see those who are downtrodden um we gravitate towards that and we want to build them up mm-hmm. um with with the truth of the gospel um uh, so uh, so there, there again. I, I assume that it comes from good intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem start with yeah. The problem is with adopting unbiblical terms, right? And and because the language language um, fuels go, yeah. the way that you view the world, mm-hmm. right? It, it kind of infects how you see people. Mm-hmm. So you start making assumptions, at least from my experience, what I have seen is you start making assumptions, right? 
because my skin is pretty light toned, you make an assumption that I've lived in the suburbs my whole life and I haven't had to work for a lot of what, you know, what has been handed to me. Right. Um, and, and you make assumptions about someone who has a darker skin tone and how difficult their life has been. When, if you would just talk to me, mm-hmm. like we could have a conversation about who I am and, and my experience growing up. And certainly I have had an extremely blessed life. Um, God, I mean, I would not, obviously I wouldn't be where I am because of God, but I just mean there are so many things in my life that I can point to that have happened purely out of grace. Mm-hmm. You know, God, there, I have not deserved anything. Right. You know, I, I work at a great church. I don't know how I got that job outside of that. God put me there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how we can afford living where we do, you know, except God. Mm-hmm. So, so certainly I am extremely blessed. Um, but I'm also, you know, you look at me, I look like a white kid. I'm half Mexican. Um, I'm, my skin tone may show that I'm white, but I'm not really white. I'm, I'm, I'm a mutt, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm all kind of, I'm just a nice little melting pot. I'm the American dream, right? (laughs) (laughs) A bunch of immigrants, like two generations ago. Mexican. Yeah, exactly. They shouldn't have gotten along, but, but they did (laughs) somehow. And my parents and their parents. Um, so I just mean, yeah, there are things that, that happen. There are things where, where you're calling certain people groups to repentance for something that, that people within their group did that just, um, I feel like it kind of misses the point. Well, and I also, I think it, that it distracts from calling the actual individuals to repentance. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like if you're calling an entire group to repentance, like even those who haven't committed the sin, like then you're not focusing on the actual people who have committed the sin and therefore like, I don't, they're just like lumped in with everyone else. And it just, it just sort of, I, I think that it sort of diminishes the sin itself. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, there's a way in which you can bring to light sins that we as a culture take for granted without accusing absolutely everyone of of engaging in those sins. Mm-hmm. But a way in which you bring out so so for instance saying that racism is hatred, you know, and talking about the the vileness of hatred and talking about the unity we have in Christ and talking about how we've all, we were all created in Adam and how we're all have the image of God within us. And so we shouldn't look down on other people in such a way that would cause conviction in the hearts of those people who legitimately see people differently, who Mm -hmm. legitimately look down on other races while at the same time cautioning everyone else to say, oh, you know, where I see that in my life, I should repent, rather than just painting with a broad brush that everyone does that, so repent of it. Right. You know, I, I just think, I just think that's a difficult. Um, that I, I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I just think I don't. I don't think that that's necessarily helpful mm-hmm. when you just start accusing people of committing a sin as a group simply because of you have put these people together as a group. It's, 
I don't, I don't see that happening in the yeah. Bible, you know, yeah. where you have committed that sin, where you have looked down on someone, where you have hated someone in your heart, you ought to repent. Yes. Um, so whether that is, you know, whether that's a full outright, you know, what the most horrible act of racism you can think of, you know, killing someone, um, or whether that's just thinking differently, thinking, um, that someone is not worth your time, you know, certainly we ought to repent from, from the greatest sins to the least sin of that type of hatred. Um, but when you're calling out a specific way of seeing that hatred, it, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't sit right with mm -hmm. me. So, yeah. So sorry for everyone I've offended because I'm sure that I've said, you know, things that you disagree with and that's, you know, that's fine. Again, if you want to correct us, feel free. Um, hopefully I, I, I'll reply to any, anything you send our way. Um, I can't guarantee that we'll have a long conversation though. Maybe if it's more, maybe if it's more like email or, or personal types of conversations, I don't know that I'll I'll carry on a long Twitter a long public Twitter conversation about race. <laughs> it just it makes me uncomfortable. I'm not a fan of Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, hopefully, hopefully we have um, talked about this delicately. Hopefully, we have been scriptural. But um, as always, I you know I'll confess I don't. I don't have all the answers, man. Right. So where I have messed up, um, where you do see that um, there's another perspective or that you, you think we're missing something, feel free to, you know, shoot us an email so that we can consider other things. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Was there anything else you wanted to talk to, to mention about race? <laughs> Just kidding. Now. Again, I, I just don't like that term at all. Yeah, neither do I. So, uh, okay, do you have any recommendations? Oh, I did. I so did. What were, what were they? I can only think of one. I thought I had more, only though. Only think of one. I thought I had more. It will be like... What? Oh, oh, okay. I was like, what are you doing? Um... So I've been watching a show on Netflix. Well, I say been watching a show. We watched like two episodes, two or three episodes of this Dope. show. Okay, two episodes of this show one night and we were just hanging out. Um, And because I rarely watch TV, <laughs> I just picked up another episode tonight while I was working out. Um, But it's... um. I like it a lot. It's a Netflix original um, called Ugly Delicious. Mm. I just really love um, cooking shows or just it's shows about, about food. Yes. No. Um, just about shows about food in general. Um, and yeah, it's awesome. It's very entertaining. And I like it a lot there. I, I, word of warning though. There are, uh, if you... If you can't handle um, quote unquote bad words or swearing, 
then maybe not watch it. Stay away. Yeah. <laughs> because there are F-bombs definitely yep. sprinkled throughout every episode. Um, Usually it's talking about how good things are, but I mean, they, they yeah. just, they throw it around. Like yeah, it's not just, even used to exaggerate things. Like they just use it in everyday parlance, yeah. which is kind of weird, but it's how people talk nowadays, man. Apparently. Um, but yeah, I like that show. Yeah. It's good. Makes me want to eat. It does make me want to <laughs> eat. I'm like, oh, every, yeah. Because they're like, you know, focusing on something different in every every episode. I'm just like, oh, now I yep. want this. Yep. Dang it. Case in point, first episode, it's about pizza. <laughs> you're just watching it and you're like, dang, I want a good pizza. <laughs> yeah. Well, in this episode that I was watching before we started um, recording was uh, about crawfish, basically, which is funny because I can only think of one time that I've ever had crawfish in my life. Stop. Sorry. Um, Sorry, not sorry. And it was when I was really little and I remember liking it, I think. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I just haven't had it since then. So that's probably the only episode I've watched that I haven't been like, man, I'm craving this now because since I haven't really eaten crawfish much much i don't really crave it um surrounded by your i've heard crawfish. that it's very very good though crawfish i'm talking about crawfish okay. um so yeah i'll have to try it sometime yeah, i know I've there are places around here that do crawfish boils around this time of year but mm-hmm. i've just never gone to one it like Cracking open a crustacean and sucking out its brains has never really Apparently sounded very... Apparently, it's super uh, juicy and delicious. Yeah. Th- again, that that's just weird to me. It's like sea bugs. I mean, I'm down to try it, but... That you suck out their juicy brains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm sure it is good. Yeah, no, I agree. Because I like Cajun spice. Yeah. And I like potatoes and I like corn. So, yeah, I'm sure it will be good. It's just the thought of what it is. It's just like, that's weird. This like sea bug looking at you. You just got to pop its head off and suck it. I'm sure sure there are like tons of people listening to this who are just like, are you kidding me? Crawfish is awesome. You're dumb. Just go eat one. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I need to. I just haven't. Yeah, it's funny, especially being in Texas. We're just yeah, Louisiana's like right down the street. Yeah, right in Texas, that means six (laughs) hours away. Um, yeah, eight or nine, something like that. (laughs) Well, it. I just feel. I feel like the only chances that I would have to eat crawfish, I don't want to spend the like. I don't want to order crawfish just to try it. Yeah, because you have to order like a huge. Well, that's when you would. You would go with people because with crawfish, it's like a big party thing. Right. That's what I mean. If we were to attend something like that, I totally would. Yeah. But if I'm at like Joe's Crab Shack, when was the last time I went to Joe's Crab Shack? Do they serve crawfish? Uh, I don't even know. I assume that they do. Dang it. See, I don't know. I don't even know where you buy a crawfish. They're just little sea bugs. <laughs> Go to okay. the sea bug restaurant. They're actually not sea bugs. They're in fresh water. They look like sea bugs. <laughs> okay. Little water bugs. <laughs> You're just like swimming out in the ocean and just crawls up your arm. It's like, what's up, dude? 
I'm a little bug swimming around in the sea. Those are shrimp. Shrimp. Because crawfish okay. are freshwater. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so they can never be friends. They're like sworn enemies because they can't live in the same place. No, shrimp are also freshwater. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, shrimp are freshwater and saltwater. Do they taste different? Probably. Uh, I'm sure they do. Saltier ones. So long as they're deep pooped. This is a lovely conversation. Yeah, I know. Sea bugs and poop. (laughs) Okay, that's and that's the title of the episode: (laughs) Sea bugs and poop. Just kidding. I'm not actually. Well, you know what it's titled because, yeah. <laughs> You're listening to. Hey, oh. Um, so I have no recommendations. Oh. No, just that episode of Mortification of Spin. Uh, but uh, yeah. You always I, make your recos too early. I know. I know. It just. Sorry. Because um, your recos are always. Are usually what you want to talk about. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Maybe I should just hold that off until the end. See, that would have been Can't easy. Can't really recommend if I just... racism, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be weird. Um, no, but I recommend you listen to that. Um, well, because like as I look back on my week, the things that I was into this week are things like I've already talked about, you know, the books that I've been reading, Beyond yeah. Belief and um, that tidying book. I, I reread it just to get some more tips. I've still been reading uh, manga. I've been reading Berserk, and I'm enjoying it. Um, and mm. I've been reading Junji Ito's stuff, which I've been enjoying. But I just I feel like I've already talked about them for like two weeks. So sorry, not much new has been going on this week. I'm into old stuff. So mortification has been that's what wins it. I mean, I guess the only other thing again I've talked about it before is um, The Bible Project. We watched a bunch more of their videos, and they are just so good. They are. It's Every time I watch one, I'm like, whoa, really? Like, yeah. it just blows yeah. my mind every time. Well, and I didn't realize he's so it. smart. Exactly. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing is, like, I didn't realize he, one of the guys who does it has, like, a master's degree in, like, Hebrew. Hebrew. Yeah. Yeah, so he, he can actually tell you what these words mean. Because, I mean, if... If you're a dumb American and only know one language like me, <laughs> uh, then you don't think about language very much until you start learning a new language, right? So um, you, don't, you don't even necessarily think about like how culturally words have different meanings um, until you are actually immersed in a different culture. Yeah. And so because he has this degree, he knows these these things about the language and what it means to the people. And like, so... So certain words that would have a specific meaning in English actually have a greater or a more nuanced meaning in a different language because it also pertains to the way that, you know, they see that term lived out in their culture. That was so vague, it didn't mean anything at all. But <laughs> if if you have attempted to learn another language, hopefully that made a little bit of sense. Um so yeah, the Bible Project. They are great. I'll link them in the description as well because, uh, yeah, so good. I mean, in like five minutes, you learn so much. Yeah. So That's really good. And yeah, the man. artwork is awesome. Yeah, it really is. It's just how much they the put into each like short video. I'm just like, wow. How do y'all do this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, super talented. 
they're doing some really cool stuff. Yeah. Because they're also going through like the books of the Bible, which is super cool as well um, for the overarching themes and how it all points to Jesus, Mm -hmm. which is super cool. I've said that multiple times. Sorry. I just think it's super super cool and it's cool. (laughs) Both at the same time. So you put the words together and boom. Um, Super cool. All right. Well, uh, I mentioned it a couple times, but if you do want to reach out to us, you can hit us up on Twitter. Our handle is at so underscore talk to me, uh, or you can email us at so talk to me podcast at gmail.com. And if you hate us now and never want to listen to us again, then bye Felicia. Yeah. <laughs> or you kidding. can email us at uh, Zuckerberg at facebook.com. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Lizard guy at Facebook. No. Uh, sorry. That was mean. That was very mean. Oh. I don't even get that. Ref- oh. What? What was The that? man looks like a lizard. Oh, Anyways, that's what you're... <laughs> uh, so, you know what? I just thought of one more reco. Okay. It's a video that I sent you earlier today. I don't know if you oh, saw it. That was really funny. <laughs> okay. It's this video. Just go check it out. It's someone. They have other ones too. Oh, dang. I need uh-huh. to check them out. With our wrapping Dr. Seuss books. It's awesome. <laughs> Walk it in my pocket, y'all. It's hardcore. Check that one out. It's awesome. Maybe it's just because I have kids, but I love Dr. Seuss. Ollie was watching it with me. Nice. Yes. Did he love it? I mean, he was. He sat there and watched it, the whole There's thing. A walk it in my pocket. There's a walk <laughs> it in my pocket. Okay, mm. anyways. Uh, <laughs> any uh, final thoughts? Mama. <laughs> Sorry. That's what the other guys say. <laughs> uh, yeah, mama. Anyways, no, I, I got nothing. All right, well then, till next week, uh, go talk to your spouse, yeah. uh, talk to your friends, uh, cultivate connections, mm. uh, share the gospel, uh, share the gospel, listen to people. Yeah. When we say have a conversation, that includes listening, y'all. Jeez, how are you not getting? <laughs> I hope I hope we uh <laughs> we set a good that. example for that. Do Maybe? we listen to each other well? Probably not cuz you like to interrupt me all the time. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest here. <laughs> but they listen really well. I mean, they, they haven't said anything the whole time. That's true. They're yeah. great. Way listeners. to go, listener. <laughs> <laughs> now go talk and listen at the same time. Oh, we're weird. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>